Warning, this podcast contains adult content, including frank discussions of sex and lots and lots of swear words. Enjoy! This book does not go into great depth about the external subplot, but you want one that will make a reader say, take my money. When they read your bu- your back cover copy, the external goals and conflict are what make for great copy or book description, so you don't want to skimp here. External goals make your chosen trope and premise unique and interesting, but you will want to braid this subplot into a romantic arc, not the other way around. Oh, hey, Claire. Uh, yes? You just discovered that my kink is talking about marketing books. <laughs> <laughs> Should we do a podcast now? Oh, yes, let's do a as podcast. As formative as that was. <laughs> Hi, I'm Neil. And I'm Claire. And this is FMK Lit. Where we read two romance novels. A straight one and a queer one. And then we play Fuck, Mary Kill with the characters. Yeah, we do. Also, spoilers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Forever. I mean, lots of spoilers. Lots. It's not even... We just tell you every damn thing We're that happens. We're gonna tell you what happens. Yes. Uh, Claire. Yes? You picked the books this time. I did. I did. What did we read? Oh, man. We read Verbalize. Bring stories to life and life to stories. Livewire Rider Guides uh, by Damon Swade. Mm-hmm. And we also read... Romancing the Beat, Story Structure for Romance Novels, How to Write Kissing Books, Book One, uh, by Gwen Hayes. So what was the theme? (laughs) How to Write a Romance. Yay! Which is why our intro little quote there was so me. Yes. I mean, I I, thought, I still don't know how we're going to do FMK, but here we I, are. Yeah, here we are. But I just, <laughs> I thought it would be really interesting mm-hmm. to find two romance no- mm-hmm. novelists who had written books about how to write romance novels. Right, right. And um, we, last month was NaNoWriMo. Uh-huh. So, I... Did almost nothing. Uh, but this is uh, this is to help our listeners prep yes, for next year. Yeah, yeah, Get yeah, started. Yeah, yeah. Think about like think about like the books on your shelves that will help you get through the next mm-hmm. NaNoWriMo. Mm-hmm. And maybe like if you've written your book, mm-hmm. this may help you, or one of these books may help you in your rewrite. Yeah, one of them. We'll get into it more, but one of them is definitely like, oh, hey, this approach that I have can be applied at any point in the process. Uh-huh. So if you already have your novel and you think it's finished, maybe it's not. Yeah. You never know. Get into it. But first, yes, Claire. Neil, what's got you hot and bothered? Oh my goodness! I've been reading articles about Twitter. <laughs> Okay. Because why not? But not just any Twitter. YA lit Twitter. Oh, no. Which is apparently a crazy place. I'm sure. I don't follow a lot of YA lit writers. Mm-hmm. I follow a lot of writers. Yeah. A lot of romance writers. A lot of sci-fi writers. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't follow a lot of YA lit. Mm-hmm. Um, but the most recent kerfuffle did flood into the writers that I read too. Uh-huh. And it was very interesting. So a uh, young person at who I, th- I I think still goes to college 
uh, had written, had got on a, um, a, like a board that was like, oh, here are the books that we're going to say are mandatory reads mm-hmm. for this college life or whatever. Mm-hmm. And she got on it specifically so that this one book wouldn't be mandatory because she hated it. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, but also, and she wrote about that, like she, in her college newspaper. She okay. she wrote an article about that. So she critiqued the the book. And oh, are we going to say what book it was? Um, I mean, I can look it up. It's. I feel like that's less important. Okay. Compared to I'm what happened curious. next. And so she wrote. Oh, she's no. like, I very much don't want anybody to read this. Now, it's important to note, she just didn't want it on the mandatory reading list. Mm-hmm. I think she was fine with people reading it. She just thought it was inappropriate for mandatory. Uh Um, And she said that. The author found this review, Mm -hmm. retweeted it with a note like, this hurts. Authors are real people. And like, how dare you say this? But she only retweeted the one part where the the author of the uh, letter or, you know, the the review Mm -hmm. is like, I don't think anybody should read this book. Mm-hmm. And then all of the famous writers on Twitter dogpiled on that one. <sighs> <laughs> like, just went at her. And, like, authors I like, feminist writers, like, a lot. And you could tell none of them read the thing they she wrote. The whole, they didn't read the whole article. They just no. read the, yeah. They just read that part. And, I mean, to be fair, it was harsh. You and I are harsh uh-huh. we are not nice but also <laughs> we are not nice we are not nice oh. um we try to but we also say like all of our authors are legitimate authors yeah there are people who are out there who are working hard yeah but at the same token we've made it our business to do this right <laughs> and we are also open to criticism yeah if someone were to give it to us and but dogpiling on a critic <clears throat> Who was legitimately criticizing something and not book burning, not mm-hmm. trying to stop her fellow collegiates from reading a book, just thinking it was inappropriate that it was mandatory, um, which I think is fair. Mm-hmm. Like for whatever your reasons are, right? None her reason, like whatever your reasons may be, it's fair to put your voice in to say something about that. You may be overruled. It was a committee. <laughs> She, uh, this is all fair, and so then a bunch of a bunch of people finally talked back to the authors and were like, "Oh, this is inappropriate." In part because the original book author liked somebody's uh, somebody's reply that was like, "This woman should go fuck herself," and she was like, "I love you," and it was like. Oh. oh, now I do appreciate and notice I'm not I'm also not mentioning the author's name mm-hmm. or any of that, but I do appreciate that she did write an apology that she went too far. <laughs> she should probably chill the fuck out. Yeah. Um, and a lot of the other writers who said similar things were like, oh, my bad. <laughs> should not have done this. This comes on the heels of in 2000, like of constant upheavals in YA lit on Twitter. Mm. Like, constant, constant. 
Um, but there's several other articles out there, including uh, BuzzFeed has a really good one on why a Twitter can be toxic, but it also points out real problems. A couple years ago, Vox had one toxic drama on YA Twitter, which was about the the book The Black Witch. And so, like, it is constantly this this particular section of Twitter is constantly an upheaval, in large part because it's young readers Mm -hmm. who are just starting to read books of their own choosing. Mm -hmm. And they have all the hormones. They have all the hormones. Um, They also have, like, they're starting to get ideas about Mm -hmm. the world. And they also have access to a platform where they can access the authors. Yeah. And they can publicly say the things that they are feeling. So it's kind of a confluence of hormones just becoming your per- yourself as a person mm-hmm. for the first time and having so many fucking opinions and feeling legitimate in all of them. Mm-hmm. And also YA authors who are often not always but often like they're also just starting out and this is like their first writing job Mm -hmm. and now they're getting barraged by young people who have feels oh but uh, yeah so it's i mean if you're gonna do a thing like exist in the world create art do anything someone might criticize you yeah and you just have to like put up with it or be okay with it or like yeah. dismiss it something it's gonna happen well and I, I i find it interesting i mean for the through the ages there's there's jokes like aristotle was a critic mm-hmm. but even he makes fun of critics yeah <laughs> so like there's lots of critics are terrible mm-hmm. also i'm a critic type yeah, of thing. Yeah, for sure. I mean, um, Edgar Allan Poe mm-hmm. wrote poetry, but he got his start as a critic. Yeah. <laughs> and also that's and how... And opium. He, right. But that's how he made his money. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Was critiquing plays and other people's books. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're all part of that. We're all part of the system and the cycle of analysis, analyzing what we read and, you know, telling other people what they should and shouldn't read based on our own feelings. All of us do that. Mm-hmm. And I actually encourage authors to do that. Yeah. Because one, you can make money that way. Not a lot because there's no fucking newspapers anymore. But, <laughs> <laughs> but like, it's also like, it's good for the system to be mm-hmm. talking about each other's work. Yeah. In good ways and in bad. Yeah. And if we just let it just exist as if every idea is equal (laughs) untrue first of all yeah but also like that's what changes people that's Mm -hmm. what makes it grow yeah anyway this is uh highly interesting i don't again i don't i'm not on that section of twitter it just Uh bleeds into my twitter Uh um but all of the news articles have been very interesting and have kind of done a deep dive so anyway that's what's got me hot and bothered blah 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 okay That's been our episode. I'm just kidding. Neil. <laughs> yes. What has got you hot and bothered? All right. So this very bizarre thing happened with you and me. I think we've told Christine about this. So for my birthday, Claire surprised me with a train ride, which was very exciting. We like took a we went out of town for a weekend. We took a train um, from San Francisco to Reno, mm-hmm. and it's a gorgeous train ride because it goes up through the Sierras. And it's so beautiful. And there was one point that we were both... We we had both brought books and, like, notebooks to do writing and laptops. And, like, oh, we're going to be so productive on this eight-hour train ride. 
we just stared out the window for hours and it was at once very soothing and then also very engaging because it's like what kind of tree is going to be next oh that kind of tree oh my god oh it's that kind of tree oh my god like or a gorge would just open up yeah 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 waterfall because we're like on the side of a mountain and anyway it was beautiful it was a beautiful train ride it was a lovely evening or weekend so the weirdest thing happened both on the train and in Reno when apparently when Claire and I go out together people assume we're a couple and not just a couple a recently engaged couple everyone on that train thought that we had just gotten engaged and it wasn't even like oh are you a couple did you just get engaged? nobody asked any questions they just spoke to us assuming that we were a recently engaged couple. It was so bizarre. People who saw us for a second. We went to the dining car and the man was handing out uh, the 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 little like menus for us to check off what we wanted and he put them down on our side and he goes, I guess there's something to celebrate. And then he walks away and I was like, what? I, what do you mean? Like, and then he comes back and he's like, so something special for the special couple? Like, what? What? <laughs> I don't I don't understand. And it was funny. I told this to one of my coworkers. And they were like, did you just not speak? Ever? Ever? I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't understand it. And the thing that really throws me off is that I never, ever get mistaken for being in a couple. Like, even when I'm out with gay friends and i know that people assume that people who look alike are obviously a couple so like even when i'm out with like taller broader kind of hairy gay friends like no one assumes we're a couple nobody speaks to us as if they know from divine intervention that we're a couple so just to a be confused for being in a couple and then be just like with claire it's just like i I don't understand. It was so bizarre. But we also learned that people assume we're a couple, but people assume we're a, a, the fun couple. Mm-hmm. So people in the service industry like to give us free stuff. Which is fine with me. Which is fine with me. I'm not going to dissuade them from their beliefs. No. Because we are a fun couple. But you're married and I'm gay. So here we are. Yeah, it was it was very interesting. Was Even so like weird. the like, bartender who I still believe is probably not straight. Oh, that um, bartender was defo queer. Right. And and we asked, "Hey, is there like a bar you would recommend?" I felt like we were pretty clear. Mhm. And they were like, "Yeah." And then they kind of looked at us like what kind of bar would they like? And I was like, they did not clock Neil. No. <laughs> How? I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I don't understand. But the bar that they recommended was pretty great. Oh, it was actually yeah. a really great yeah. bar. And I'm 100%. not going to, I'm not going to say the name of it because then people it's will mine. go. It's, it. mine. it's mine. It's my bar. But we did go to that gay bar. I'll tell everyone faces in Reno. It's an amazing, terrible, wonderful place. <laughs> It was so cute. We walked in. There were two different DJs in two different parts of the bar playing two very different types of music. It was very confusing. It was also Halloween. So there was a cluster of people who were in costume. In 70s costumes. Yes. But then so also... I guess it was 70s I think Halloween it was like a night? 70s was, night. But I'm also sure that bar does like $5 Bloody Marys all day on Sunday or something ridiculous. It's a... go. To, everyone go to Faces if you're in Reno. I think they it's also great. did Jello shots and I regret not doing those. Oh, okay. Yeah. Maybe we were 
pretty damn buzzed at that point already. I know. We had so much to drink. <laughs> anyway, it was just so bizarre for me. Like, I didn't know how to react other than to just, like, I'm just going to say things that are true and just hope that people pick up on it. Because also, I mean, like, if you don't know someone, you're not just going to be like, oh, I'm super gay. Because, like, you never know. No, that couple we sat with at lunch we talked with for a long time for a very long time definitely thought we were together yeah and didn't and i mean we didn't dissuade them from that i did bring up my husband but i think they thought i was referring to you (laughs) (laughs) anyway that was super bizarre okay let's talk about books about books books about books Verbalize brings stories to life and life to stories. Live Wire Writer Guide by Damon Swade. Fascinating fiction starts with characters who make readers care. The Live Wire Writer Guide, try saying that five times fast, <laughs> presents a simple, effective technique to sharpen your hook, charge your scenes, and amplify your voice, whether you're a beginner or an expert. Most writing manuals skirt craft questions and with gimmicks and quick fixes rather than plugging directly into your story's power source. Energize your fiction and boost your career with a new characterization method that jumpstarts drafting, crafting, revision, and pitching. Skill builders to intensify language, stakes, and emotion for your readers. Battle-tested solutions for common traps, crutches, and habits. A dynamic story planning strategy for uh, effective for plotters and pantsers. Ample examples and exercises to help you upgrade fiction in any genre. Blast past overused ticks and types with storycraft that busts your ruts and awes your audiences. Whether you like to wing it or bring it, Verbalize offers a fresh set of user-friendly language-based tools to populate your pages and lay the foundations of unforgettable genre fiction. Whether you wing it or bring it. Wing it or bring it. So that's what the book says. Claire. (laughs) Yes. What's this book actually about? Um, okay. Okay. Uh, no, it is not a simple solution. No. Like, that was, that is the most bullshit thing. What I do agree with is there are a lot of books, and we'll actually talk about one today, Mm -hmm. that offer sort of gimmicky things that's going to help you create your your book, or Mm -hmm. it's just like a simple recipe. The, uh, the difference between the two books that we're going to cover today, um, one of them is like reading a recipe book called Easy Cookies for You and Your Children, and the other one is like The Chemistry of Cookies. (laughs) (laughs) like and that is that difficult so Mm -hmm. i feel like um this book which it verbalized like is the is the more difficult one Mm -hmm. it like brings things into context and it wants to walk you through it um i also do not think this is a beginner's book no you not even a little bit no if you are if you are not a writer who has had like critiques of your work Mm -hmm. who hasn't been through like a a workshop who hasn't uh, read any other books about writing this is not a starter's manual no this is and the other thing is uh it functions under the assumption that you sort of know the basics of storytelling and have an idea of who you are as a writer. Yeah. 
which is not a beginner's thing nope. at all. Not at all. I, also, I just have to point out, Damon Swade is a little salty in this book. Oh, he is. <laughs> okay, one of my favorite things. So this says, and it says it a couple of times at the beginning, and it's one of my favorite things. He says, if you're a pantser or a plotter. Mm-hmm. I don't know if we talked about this last... Um, we did a little bit. A little bit. Um, last year. Yeah. So, in a pantser, someone who just, by the seat of their pants, they're just going to sit down and write. Mm-hmm. And then a plotter is somebody who's going to sit down and plot. Mm-hmm. And he says at the beginning of this book, like, these techniques are good for either type of writer. By the time we get to the end of the book, oh, it is obvious he thinks pantsers are idiots. <laughs> and there is no such goddamn thing that... If you are a pantser, all you're doing is writing an exceedingly long and detailed outline. <laughs> like, and that is your first draft, and it is by no means a good one. And you have to go back in. If mm-hmm. you're a plotter, you're just writing a less detailed outline, but it's easier to do, and you should probably do that because it's better that. for you. Oh. <laughs> cracked me up yeah and in reading this like i never really thought terribly about whether i'm a pantser or a plotter because i do like you know like i enjoy a good outline a super basic outline but listen like reading this i'm like oh he plots out like everything Mm -hmm. i do not i have a super basic outline and then i just like go from there because for me it's a lot easier to make changes when I have a whole draft and like then go in and like pick it apart and like working with for me it's sort of like um instead of sculpting something out of stone I'm making something out of play-doh so I like make a thing and then I can sort of pick it apart and reshape it if I need to and that's a lot easier for me so when he's just like ah pantsers myth I'm just like all right (laughs) it's fine I um I feel like for me it's project based it depends on what i'm writing sure sometimes you just get an urge to write something fun and light and it's just in your head and you just kind of want to get it out and it develops into a longer thing that's Mm -hmm. interesting and cool and then you do have to go back and retrench a lot there's a lot of like rethinking you have to do because you haven't thought out things like theme you haven't thought out things like symbolism you haven't thought out those things and you're Mm -hmm. just sort of grabbing on to what you've already written um And I think that particular method means uh, there's the there's the saying like you have to kill your darlings. Mm -hmm. Um, That particular method lends to having to kill more things off Mm -hmm. because what you've written may be too long or it may be too arduous or like this particular section, while great, doesn't fit with any of your themes Mm -hmm. and doesn't fit with the character tropes or whatever you've decided to do. Um, Whereas if you're doing an excruciating amount of planning beforehand, there's a lot less you're going to cut later. You're still going to cut, yeah. but you're probably not going to cut things that are near and dear to your heart mm-hmm. as much. Um, and for me, it just depends. Um, I'm working on a project right now where I'm doing a lot of pre-planning. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I have other projects where it's just like, whatever, I think these two are cute and I want them to get together. Yeah. So. And it makes sense, too, like, depending on how much research you have to do and all of that. And I completely understand, but it's just... There was... There were a couple of times where he's like, oh, this is what I think you should do. If you don't do it that way, that's fine. But my way's better. <laughs> just like, okay, calm down. Yeah, every... Every, like 
uh, help you write book I've ever read starts out with an introduction and this is no different of other books will say this but this will help you do this and it's like ugh, and I hate that section whenever that section comes out yeah. because one I know what we're going to get is exactly what all those other books say. Just with different terms for things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Different yeah. terms for things. And I, that bugs the fucking shit out of me. Um, but the other thing is, if you want to follow Damon Swade's writing style and his like guide, which I actually think there's a lot of really, really good things in yeah. here, um, you should take an acting class because he steals completely from acting and directing and playwriting. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, and he does say in his auto in his biography and all throughout the book that he got his start in theater. Mm-hmm. And playwriting, and he even said he won that prestigious award that yeah. Edward Albee gives out. Yeah, and I was like, which one? I can look you up then and read your play, but I can't find him. So uh-huh. I assume like that's a different like this. Yeah, is, I'm sure Damon Swade is. Yeah, this yeah. is his like. So, but I'm really curious. Mm-hmm. And usually, when you're like this level where you've written this many, and you have your fucking author's photo up, usually you can find their other name. Yeah, but I cannot. Interesting. So I'm. Not yet. I do admit it was perfunctory, my search. Yeah, But, um, so I'm hyper interested in his play mm-hmm. or any of his plays that he says one was even off Broadway. And he didn't yeah. even put off off. <laughs> There's only one off in there. I know. I know. And it was in Connecticut. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when you're off Broadway in Connecticut, yeah, that's a big fucking deal play that's happening. Yeah, right. <laughs> anyway. No, but it's true because yeah, yeah, yeah. like that means it's going to move. Yeah. So I am interested in that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so all of his techniques come from that. Yeah. I think one of the most important things when we say like, well, why is this called verbalize? It comes directly out of an acting technique mm-hmm. or a warm up technique called verbalizing. Yeah. Where you just take the subtext of your line and you just add what the verb is. Your to be verb. Right. And you the you and your scene partner just do that back and forth to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and even if it's not the subtext of it, uh, you're just like, and you're developing tactics. So what would my character do if this person is um, seduce? Do I attack? Yeah. Um, which I thought was really interesting. And there's also a... Um, there's also like a chart with arrows, like what different different tactics and things can do, mm-hmm. which is either come together or separate. I use that in my scripts all the time. Mm-hmm. And I've used that in other people's scripts when I'm directing. And it helps me to direct actors because I can say like, okay, so this line is like, and I have an arrow moving, you know, one way. And I'm like, this this line is moving forward. You are trying to connect with the person in front of you, and this is a retreat line. This is an attack line. This is a retreat line. This is a seduce line. This is a runaway line. Like, all of those types of things. Mm-hmm. So, honestly, you could just take an acting class. Yeah. And you apply all the things you learned in that acting class to your writing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, also, which makes me feel like the best use for this particular book is actually when you finish your first draft and outline. Yeah. Like, you do that, and you want to know how to read your own work better. Mm-hmm. Use the techniques and the words he uses. Mm-hmm. Um, also, you can skip to the end of the book. So one thing that he does that I like 
is this would be an excellent book for a classroom setting because he has work problems that you can like Mm -hmm. test the things he's teaching you on and then also like it goes back and forth all the time he's always reiterating exactly what he's saying Mm -hmm. so it's easy to follow Mm -hmm. and he uses examples from genre fiction that you will have read Mm -hmm. so he's not he's he uses harry potter or um like jane austen a lot Mm -hmm. so he's not using some extreme book nobody's ever read before or like a classic that you must like. Mm-hmm. He's using like books you would know. Yeah. Which I really appreciate. So he's not up his own ass, which is pleasant. About that anyway. <laughs> I was going to say. But you can also just skip right to the end <laughs> because he sums it all up. Yeah. <laughs> really delightfully. Um, uh, if like if you want to use this, the things you should pay attention to are attention, decide why and who and what deserves attention from your audience. Emotion. Distinguish the range and types of emotions expected and avoided. Significance. Like, and if I just say them, escalation, ride, alignment, pattern, contrast, events, void. Um, Like, all of these things are acting terms. All of these things are how we look at plays. Mm -hmm. The action, objective, relationships, tactics, objects, Mm -hmm. and arc. Like, like if you're rereading your own work, these are the things you want to look at mm-hmm. every single time. If yeah. you are a dramaturg, these are the things you're looking at. This is not a beginner's book. No. Um, he does a good job of lying out, laying out terms, mm-hmm. but it's honestly like... Yeah, he's like, oh, this... Cause, so something that I found really interesting is um, he sort of approached things linguistically and just like, this is how we parse out language and so if you pay attention to this thing instead of this thing and like use this thing so that this other thing can lean on it like of course you can tell by the title like he's like the most important part of a sentence is the verb arguable anyway but he's like so that means that adverbs and adjectives are not as strong so they need to you know blah 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 blah. and i found that really interesting that was a really interesting approach because i i find linguistics really fascinating so it's just sort of like oh this is an interesting way to approach writing and just sort of like the psychology behind how we process language um i forget my point now what were you saying no, but the grammar stuff was really interesting. You were saying um, something before that. Oh, who knows? Who knows? Um, <laughs> it was probably genius, Neil. Genius. I know, and it's gone. Oh, well. That part was interesting. But then it, it just kind of all, like, sums up to the same thing. Yeah. That you expect. Oh, I remember what I was going to say. Um, so he was like, oh, so this next section is about grammar. So if you're, like, a grammar buff, you can skip these sections. And, like, I mean, like, you kind of could, but also, like, he was laying down the foundations of his argument in those sections by way of, like, explaining grammar. Yeah. And it's just like, oh, I'm just going to skip this thing. And then in the next section, it's just like, adverbs are the weakest type of word. I'd be like, what are you, what are you yeah. saying? What? Although, like, that section I appreciated because I've heard that so much in writing classes or, like, in writing books. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, adverbs are weak. And I've never, like, actually had it written out for me as to why yeah 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 <laughs> super appreciated i was like yeah, sure, oh, that's yeah, why definitely. They say yeah, yeah yeah got it oh that's nice um other things that he uses that are straight from theater um that uh these things are like that writing can be like an he doesn't say empathy machine but he does say like um oh let me see empathy transmitter genre is structure plot is an empathy transmitter mm-hmm. um which is way woo woo 
in some ways. But also, like, <laughs> that is a hard thing to say to a beginning writer. Right. It is not an easy concept. Uh, it is also something that theater uses. We call, like, people who are writing grants call theater an empathy machine all the time. Mm-hmm. Or, or like, uh, an empathy factory. Right. Which is an easier concept to understand. But again, woo-woo. I, I appreciate what he's doing here, but it's also like, again, this is not a beginner's book. No. Um, great things. I love his talk about tactics. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. Like, he gets in-depth. Like, what a character does is do. They mm-hmm. do things. Mm-hmm. And they do things for a reason. And it's not... I appreciate the hell out of this because I've always believed this, too. It's like, your characters are not real. They aren't people. They're not real people. <laughs> they do the things you tell them to do. If they are quote-unquote out of control in your story, you are not writing anymore. <laughs> You're just sort of shitting on a page. <laughs> he doesn't actually say that. but like That's, that's, that's going to be in your book. Yes. But he's like, and good for you, but like, why are they doing this thing? And again, this is why I feel like this is second draft book help. Yeah, it, definitely. It's like how to coax uh, meaning and excitement and action out of what you've already written right and like he approaches things very verbally we'll say because it's about the verb it's about what people do and then to get from that to like invoking feeling in your writer or in your readers that's a big leap for somebody who's never written before yeah you know it's it's he's like okay well focus on the action but a book isn't just plot because plot is the action he's like but it has to be more than that. And it's like, that that takes practice. That takes work. It does. I mean, what I appreciated very much about this is that nothing was disconnected. Your, right. your character is doing this thing because he is a representative, if not exactly the plot. Mm-hmm. Your character is doing that because he is... He, and I'm sorry I'm saying he, because actually that is something I like very much in Damon Swayze's book, that he never referred to any character as he or she always just character except characters that already exist right but characters yeah, that already yes, exist yes he's like your character should do this right your character does that so yeah. uh and there was no need for pronouns because a character was a device yes it's <laughs> that, an action right it's an action person. right and so i found that great yeah um and it was so there was so many good things mm-hmm. in this book um action plus objective plus adjustment equals story and how a character moves through the world that you're creating, but that the world is connected to what the character wants or does not have. The everything is connected. There is no accidents. Mm -hmm. There is, I mean, maybe if you, like he does say, he gives like, of course your subconscious can create something for you in the writing, um, but it's doing that because you've laid the groundwork already for it to happen that way. So everything is connected. There is no disconnection. There's nothing that stands out by itself. Everything is part of the single thing that you are writing that leads to the end of your book. And I was really happy about that. Like I thought that was, I thought that was excellent. Um, An action is an intentional event. Like all of these things. Oh, this was. uh, I really liked his part about Severus Snape. Mm Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that was really neat. Yeah. So like, and this is all about connection. So. Um, I think he doesn't actually say the word theme a whole lot. No. If at all. Because I think so many writers think of theme as separate from something you're doing. You're laying in theme. Whereas the way he's talking about writing, 
if it's if you have to lay it in <laughs> then it's separate and that's mm-hmm. a problem yeah <laughs> but so um he talks about severus snape and what severus's action is is to vex severus vexes and that's what he does for everybody mm-hmm. he's constantly vexing other people um and in fact severus and snape both just mean to vex mm-hmm. or like something of like so that was intentional on the author's part right we just and it's not a theme it's just the truth of the world and the character and the story right which is true mm-hmm. so i was like yes that's an excellent example hooray mm-hmm. anyway yeah it's interesting because um you know he he goes on a bit over long about how he despises the approach of like you make a character and then like make up like facts about them and and i mean you know sure you could argue that that's clunky and maybe unnecessary or like a little time consuming but that sort of the the point of that uh exercise isn't to like have these things at the ready but to sort of like understand your character by qualities about them whereas his approach is like your character does this thing mm-hmm. instead and like everything that comes after that and it's like it's just a different way of understanding your character but he's just like sure and i'm i like i'm kind of poo-pooing he he i found this book really interesting and it's definitely very helpful for somebody who has written things and has written things that other people have read and like given feedback on this is definitely not a beginner's manual um the one thing that I could not stand is his little catchphrases that he had. Yeah, no. Like, tension creates a tension. (laughs) I wrote that one down, too. Fuck off. I mean, yes, fuck off. I also, though, agree that... And they were always in bold, They were always in bold. But I also agree, like, specific to genre writing about selling what you're Mm -hmm. writing, he is correct. Definitely. Yeah. 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 So, like, that that made yeah. sense. Is like, and obviously he knows what he's talking about, but g- for me, getting through this book at times was a bit of a slog. <laughs> like, I don't know why. I found that, like, what he was saying, the arguments that he was putting forth, I found them really interesting. But just reading this actual book at times, was just like, oh, my God, get on with it. Right. Well, then <sighs> I have that problem with reading any textbook or tell you how mm-hmm. to do a thing right. book. But then, of course, like... By the end of it, we have all the things that every other writing book tells you. And that, like, for him... Does he use the word void? Yeah. Yeah, a character has a void, which is, like, the one thing that they... Like, their, quote, trauma or whatever that right. influences things, but then well, they also want to And so many other people and, use need. Yeah, just like, sure, sure, sure. Need. But it's, like, your character... It, there's this thing that has affected your character... At that so that no matter what their character your character is affected by this thing and then here's this thing they want and every action that they do will be affected by the trauma or void or need to get the thing that they want and it's just like yeah that's like basic storytelling this is just a different approach to that but he's like characters aren't people oh cue the pitchforks and torches I'm like mm, calm, calm down yeah yeah there was a whole bunch of that like like I'm gonna say something crazy now, and I'm like, I mean, not really. Not really. Again, it is. It does sound crazy if you are a beginning writer and you've been told mm-hmm. one thing over and over. I mm-hmm. think one of the things he talks about, which is, uh, let me see if I can find it in my notes. Um, one of the things he talks about is goal motivation conflict. Um, so, like, 
a character has a goal, why do they have that goal, and what stops them from getting the thing? Mm -hmm. That is a very easy entry point for beginning writers. Mm -hmm. Here's your character. What do they want? Why do they want it? What is stopping them from getting it? Mm -hmm. That is... That is level one writing. Mm -hmm. And it is a very good place to start. And there's a really good reason why you start there. Because it's a simple concept people can get. Mm -hmm. And he does lay it out. But then he says, like, when he was talking at a conference, specifically for Romance Writers Association, um, that he he talked about verbalized and he just blew people's fucking minds because they were all on this GMC track. (sighs) Um, And... And he was and, like, I've always been doing it this way. I thought everyone did it this way. And it's like, way. yeah, it's because you're a fucking theater art writer. Yeah. Like, yeah. We, that's how we're all taught to write. Yeah. So, fuck you, man, for shitting on all of these women. And I'm positive it was a room full mm-hmm. of women. For the way that they write, which is perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and also, again, entry-level writing. Yeah. Yours is the next step up. Yeah. Um, you're not bl- you you are blowing people's minds because they mm-hmm. haven't thought about it this way, but that doesn't mean you're better or whatever. Yeah. Blah 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 blah. Something that I really appreciated um, was that he towards the beginning he had the section that was like people love books so much because it because people love sort of like making connections, recognizing patterns and stuff like that, and so a good book doesn't tell you everything. It doesn't put everything on the table. It draws your attention to what the author wants us to pay attention to. And then we ourselves make the connection and we're very satisfied by that. And I thought this was great because this is something that I think about often, like when I'm directing in theater or stuff like that, that I think it, my sense is that people don't think about it as much. And that's the experience of the audience as they're, participating in this media um like what's the experience of the reader as they're and not to the point of like oh well they're gonna think this and then here's the twist but just like sort of beyond that like okay what do we this is what they've been led to believe and so we can use that to do this or this is this us we've purposely laid down these assumptions and so we can so i found that really interesting and then he had this passage that i'd like to read um this is why film adaptations are often so disappointing and why quote the book is always better The book you loved actually happened in your mind, and the thrill of filling in fascinating gaps feels qualitatively, quantitatively different. Authors don't, quote, create a character as much as readers infer character from on-page actions and the emotions they elicit. The best books offer cool gaps that appeal to a vast, receptive, imaginative audience. And then he goes on to say that that's impossible to do in film. That, like, because it's so visual, you have to have, like tangible things for people to focus on. So I thought that was really interesting. I'm like, oh, yeah, that, like, draws... A, it's a, it's sort of, like, that thing that's like, why is it that the books are better? Oh, this is why. Because there's, like, a thing that happens in our minds when we're reading books that, by definition, can't happen when we're watching movies. Yeah. I was like, oh, that's great. You've obviously thought very long and hard and deep about this, and I really appreciate that. <laughs> long and hard and deep. Long and hard and deep. <laughs> no, no, I, uh, I absolutely agree. I think... Um, I think if you as a writer have gotten the note several times, show, don't tell. 
Mm-hmm. If you've gotten that note several times, this is the book for you. Yeah. Run out and get this book. And I'm not really kidding. Like, this yeah. book will help you solve that problem. Yeah. And we'll, and it lays out very specific, very easy ways that you can attack your current writing mm-hmm. with, um, with that sort of investment in mm-hmm. what you need to fix. Mm-hmm. Like, that is a really good way. Right. If you are just starting a brand new project and you need help starting that new project, I would not recommend this book. No. Not even if you're um, a writer who's written a whole lot of things. This does not help you to think out your... I mean, it helps you to, like, if this book in context with maybe another one. Mm-hmm. And he kind of almost says that. That, like, after you have your first outline, then you... Then yeah. that's... Because he's like, oh, I just kind of do this whenever. Like, you can do it at any point. But, yeah, it's definitely, like, okay, you have your outline. You have your basic understanding of, like, the, the characters and the movement. This is when this comes into play yeah. to, like, really flush everything out. Yeah. I do think, like, it is really great if, if you think about as you're sitting down to just write poetry or write that beginning biography or that first monologue from a character or even just, like, the hook. If you're just writing that and you want to think about the connective tissue between all of the things, mm-hmm. why these two characters, why this place... Like, if somebody asks you, why did you set it in New York? This will help you to verbalize that yeah. specifically. Like, verbalize. la, la, la. Um, yeah. I set it in New York because it was part of the context of the entire plot. Sure. Like, that's really good. And it's mm-hmm. also good to know that in your own writing. Yeah. If you're just making decisions like, oh, just because, not enough. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine for first draft. It's fine for beginning writers. It's just like, I wrote that because I know it. Mm-hmm. Oh, that leads me to the last thing I super appreciated about this is like, he says, yes, write what you know, but also be curious. Mm-hmm. Like, read. Yeah. <laughs> Investigate more. Mm-hmm. If you write a thing like, oh, and then they get on the helicopter, be curious about what that means. What it means for your story, what it means for your characters, what it means for your plot, mm-hmm. what it is, why you chose that. Mm-hmm. Like, be investigative of your own writing. Yeah. I thought that was that was brilliant and right. good advice. Something that I really appreciated also, because his whole thing is each character has their one verb, and then find similar verbs that would be their tactics mm-hmm. throughout the book. And he's basically like, you need a thesaurus, and you need a dictionary so that you have... Because it's like, to vex. Yep. And that's so different. Like, that word is so very different from to annoy to pester, to bother, to badger. These are all different words that have nuanced meanings to them. And he's like, as a writer, you need to know these things. Like, you need to, like, dive in deep to language and understand. Like, English is a very complicated language, and we have all these words with all these nuanced meanings. And he's like, just dive on in. It'll help you. And I really appreciate that. Agreed. No, I really We got some real good words out there. Agreed. Um, Mm. Yeah, so I think, like... I don't know. That's that book. Yeah. 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 Romancing the Beat. Story structure for romance novelists. How to write kissing books by Gwen Hayes. What makes a romance novel a romance? How do you write a kissing book? Writing a well-structured romance isn't the same as writing any other genre. Something the popular novel and screenwriting guides don't address. The romance arc is made up of his own story beats, and 
external plot and theme needed to be braided into the romance arc, not the other way around. Told in conversational and often irreverent prose, Romancing the Beat can be read like you are sitting down with coffee uh, to coffee with a romance editor and author Gwen Hayes while she explains story structure. The way she does with her clients, some of whom are regular inhabitants of the New York Times and the USA Today bestseller lists. Romancing the beat is a recipe, not a rigid system. The beats don't care if you plot or outline before you write, or if you pants your way through the drafts <laughs> to, to do a beat check when you're revising. Pantsers and plotters are both welcome. So sit down, grab a cuppa, and let's talk about kissing books. So that's what the book says yeah. it's about. Yeah. What is this book about? Um, so this book, it's really interesting the overlap between these two books. And it's just sort of like, obviously the most important thing is the motivation of your main character. Because then they go and do things and stuff happens and that's your story. And I think something that, sh- that she used that I really enjoyed, which, which is at the beginning of your book, because this is very specific to romance, at the beginning of your book, your two lovers are wholehearted, H-O-L-E, like they have a hole in their heart. And the movement of the book is to make them wholehearted with a W. So we're filling the hole in their hearts to make their hearts whole. And I was like, okay, that's pretty cute. Also, this book starts out really cutesy, and I'm like, I don't know you. <laughs> and then a couple sections in, it's like, oh, oh, Gwen. Okay, yeah, you're my chum. I get it. Okay, yeah, sure, sure, sure. And she's like, here are 80s playlists for each section. Anyway. That was adorable. That was great. That was great. So her approach is like, okay, genre is, there's certain things that just by definition a genre has to have. And I think this is... She explained it using a metaphor that actually really helped me. Because reading through a lot of these books, it's like, why do we always have this moment? And she's like, it's like you go to a restaurant and you order a chocolate cake and they bring you a lemon cake. It could still be good and delicious, but it's not what you ordered. It's not what you were expecting. And I was like, okay, okay, okay. I'm on board. Sure, sure, sure. So then she lays out the very specific beats and like I'm not going to say them all because you know go by the book but it's sort of like oh you introduce the characters and their hole the hole in their heart and then they meet and then there's initial attraction and then they pull back and like it goes to all the very specific beats in in a romance novel and I was like okay and I like I found it kind of prescriptive at the beginning and it's just like ugh I, like, I just, I personally rebel against the idea that, like, oh, because it's this type of book, these things have to happen. I I just, like, I hate that. But then it's like, okay, and then this happens, and then she provides examples, and it's like, oh, my problem isn't the beats. My problem is that we get the same three things for each beat almost all the time. Because she provides examples that I've never read in any of our books that are really interesting. I'm like, oh, if somebody had that in a book, I'd actually probably really enjoy it. That's probably a really good idea. And I didn't write down any examples of it. But um, 
I enjoyed it. It's it's a really quick read. Oh, very quick. And it's um, and I also appreciate it sets it up in a way that you're like, oh, this is this is what the expectation is. So you can like if you feel like it, you can kind of like play with the expectation, or you can find a way. And and this is what she says. She's like, these are the beats, but they have to be interesting, and each beat has to like progress the the stakes and the tension in the stories. You can't just have repeated beats, which is your least favorite thing in the world, Claire. Least favorite thing. And we've had to talk about on this podcast. And and ob- obviously Gwen Hayes is an editor and has had to like work with it, work with writers on this. But yeah, it's just like it's like, like basic out like the super basic outline and she's like, here are some ways you could fill that in. And just, like, be creative, be inventive, raise the stakes, raise the tension, move the plot forward. And that doesn't always happen in the things that we read. But reading this, I'm just like, oh, like, I I actually feel better equipped to write a romance novel if I wanted to. Yeah, I also, I mean, 100%, it's one of the things that bothered me about this book is sometimes it's just like, oh, and make that beat interesting. And and, and then there's this Mm -hmm. gun talking now. Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh, so a lot of beginning writers will think like, but this is interesting. Like, oh, oh, no. Yeah. No, it isn't. Yeah. This is the thing that Damon Sway talks about. It's like, oh, most books will be like, oh, just do this thing. And they won't tell you how, like this, you know, make it interesting. And they won't tell you how. Right. But so unlike... Unlike verbalize, I feel like this is the book you you read before you start writing. Mm-hmm. This is absolutely, and especially, mm-hmm. and if you are a beginning writer who's mm-hmm. never written a romance but is interested in mm-hmm. it or has dabbled in fan fiction but now wants to really sit down, yeah, this is the one you mm-hmm. start with. Yeah, this is reading these two in tandem is really interesting because romancing the beat is what you read when you're like, I'm going to try romance, and you're like, okay, great, and then you. You read other books to do your research. You write an outline. Maybe you you outline, like, three different books just to, like, blah, blah, blah. And when you're ready, like, okay, this is the book that I'm going to, like, really work on and put out in the world. Then you read Verbalize. And I feel these two really, like, they fill in the gaps of each other. Yeah. So I think these books work really well together. I agree. I agree. I also think, like, going back to pantsers and plotters, mm-hmm. I do feel like she is correct. If you are a pantser... I hate that fucking term. But if you are a pantser... I think it's funny. It's it, I I also find it funny. I also hate it the way I... I hate the word blog. Mm. It's it, I, it gets the point across. We've incorporated into language. It's fine. I can't bitch about it anymore. But I still <laughs> that ship has sailed. <laughs> I have a blog. Ugh. Anyway. <laughs> well, podcast is the new blog, so we're those people now. I mean, yeah, I get it. <laughs> Not immune. Um, but so what I think is, though, if you are a pantser, this book will act as your beginning outline for you. Yeah. It. You just follow the template she lays out. Mm-hmm. And then it's your basic outline. Yeah. Um. There's also a big difference between the way she thinks about beats and the way Damon thinks about beats. Mm-hmm. And um, and where he's thinking about it in terms of action and outcome, mm-hmm. and she's thinking about it in mostly the same way, but in just, like, sectional stories. Yeah. So it's, like, this little part that she doesn't ever say that this is... Like, so if we have, like, the setup, like... 
intro of the first character, um, which would be the first beat mm-hmm. for her. Um, that is like a thing that happens that you want to get your readers through. Mm-hmm. That's not an action of a character. That's not like the progression of a plot. Mm-hmm. That's so. That's a way different way to think about beats. Yeah. And I think if you're not used to thinking about beats in a way different than the way Gwen lays them out, it's going to be awkward when you start reading Damon's book. (laughs) (laughs) Beats are a lot more complicated. Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) And I highly recommend if you're a beginning writer and you've started with Gwen's book, skip that section in Damon's books (laughs) on beats just because it gets so complicated and just accept that it happens (laughs) and then apply later. (laughs) Something that I noticed... Um, so Gwen Fairy specifically was like, did she use numbers or letters like character one, character two? Yeah, she uses H1, H2. H1 and H1. Hero one and hero two. And she's like, because, you know, they can be whatever gender. But in every single example she provides, it's a man and a woman. Yeah. And pointing that out. also, again, she didn't have to do that. It could yeah. just be character one, character two. Um, and also, anyway. like, the big difference... And the thing I dislike about this book and what I like so much about Damon's book is what I said is that everything is part of the same story. It is interconnected. Mm-hmm. It's not. And in in uh, Gwen's book, they are separate things. <laughs> it is like you have your internal plot, which is the romance mm-hmm. arc and what happens there. And then you have your external plot, which is applied. Yeah. <laughs> She did. She did give a couple of her examples. They were tied in, but she, did. she didn't very. She didn't specifically point out like they need to be connected. Right. Well, and again, like because this was the section that I read at the very top of our show, um, where she just says, "Whatever." Yeah. <laughs> Your external plot is whatever. And then we have situations like we had with our our football book, the straight one, where it's like he didn't need to be a football player. Right. He could have been absolutely anything. Yeah. Like. It, that that bit of his character had nothing to do with the movement of the story. Yep. Or even who he was as a person. Yeah. Whereas with the queer football book, like, it very much did. Yes. Like, we saw him, how being a professional football player affected his life, and it also affected the story. Because if he weren't a professional football player, he wouldn't need a PA, so we wouldn't have our H2 come in. Right, because it was a part of his void. Yeah. It was a part of who he was as a person. It was a part of how he connected to the other, like... Mm-hmm. And just the way, like, the, the like, our main characters are treated in Verbalize, they are, they are plot, so these two characters want something different, um, or the same thing, and they're you know how they go about it and how they create tactics is how is the plot mm-hmm. um in gwen's book it's like you have two people you want their faces to smash together like you got to put you got to put roadblocks in their mm-hmm. way that's that's it that's like, <laughs> like just don't make it easy yeah 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 <laughs> and, and she did say too she's like have fun in making it difficult like yeah do whatever you can to make it the most difficult for your characters don't hold back don't be nice to them because they're your characters so yeah and actually like i keep i feel like i keep going back to the other book but uh verbalize said something similar too where there's there are points where you should experiment and you should Mm -hmm. have fun your character should try lots of things Mm -hmm. um and that's how you get to know what you want and so i appreciated that in both these books yeah 
Um, yeah, again, like, this was a super easy read. What? It's and, really quick. Yeah, and she's fun. But it's, yeah, she's fun. And, like, I, I found it really helpful just for someone who's never tried writing romance before. It's like, oh, now that I understand, like, the very basics of this genre, it's a really good jumping off point to sort of, like, work on stuff myself. And her whole wholehearted with no W to wholehearted with a W, it was really cute. And it's also, like, she she kept coming back to it enough that it's, like, she was really driving it home, just, like, we need to see a transformation in, in your characters. They need to start out one way, and they need to end up a different way. And we need to see what that means for those characters. Mm-hmm. You can't just say they're unlucky in love. We have to see them be unlucky in love and we have to see the effects of that so that when they cease being unlucky in love, when they finally become lucky in love at the end of the book and we see that, there's a difference. We understand the contrast and the movement. And Yeah. So. No, I thought this was a very good explainer for the genre. Mm-hmm. It was a very good entry point into the genre mm-hmm. and, um, and joyful. It yes. Was a joyful yes, yes, book. yes. It's very apparent that Gwen loves romance novels, loves writing them, loves helping others write them. That was the thing that I really appreciate. Like there was a nurturing quality to her that Diamond does not have. Um Yeah. So yeah. No, agreed. Agreed. So like even when I had problems with the book, but in part because and I think you and I probably had some of the same problems, if only because you and I are both advanced writers, mm-hmm. or I don't know, emerging, <laughs> whatever, whatever the fuck they want to say. You and I, we've taken an awful lot of writing and reading classes. We're in it. We've we've had work. We've had writing that is out in the world that people have seen and responded right. to, and, and we've taught other people how to write. Oh, so, I never have. Oh. You should totes do that. Oh, God, no. It, like, no, it really... I ha- barely know what I'm doing. But it really helps you to write your own work. Oh, okay. Yeah, but you've also directed, which yeah, is yeah, yeah. basically like helping people right. read. Well, yeah, I mean, that's what my lit degree is for. I'm real good at text analysis. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, that's... Yeah. yeah, so, like, so all the things that were frustrating about this book were just about how entry level it was. Right. Um, and But that's kind of what it says and it yes, is yeah it's absolutely what it says yeah. it is again i would say like most writing books none of them believe pantsers exist <laughs> yeah like they all say it to make you as the pantser feel comfortable as a proud pantser because <laughs> i've i have found that if i plot things out too much i'm not motivated to write it anymore because it's like I've, I've done the work it's there and then I, I don't care about finishing it nearly as much as I normally do. Wow, I've never felt that way. I never feel like it's there. Like, I always, like, I will sometimes get bored. I admit mm-hmm. that. So what I like to do when I get bored is to write a fun part. That's fair. And then yeah. that usually unlocks something. Mm-hmm. Like, so I've gotten bored writing it in part because I was stuck on something. Yeah. And I didn't know what I was yeah. stuck on. And I don't just, like enter into a blank document with no preparation whatsoever and just go from there. Like, I I need to know who I'm dealing with, where it ends up, like, what I'm trying to say with this and stuff like that. But, like, leave room for things to happen sort of spontaneously as I'm writing them. Yeah. If I just plot... Like, it sounded to me like Damon's just like, you plot absolutely everything. And that, to me, if I did that, then it's like... Oh, well, th- then there it is. I don't understand why I need to write it anymore. Because it's there. <laughs> well, cause nobody it's out re- on paper. Nobody's going to read that. Right. 
Right. But then it's like, for me, it's like, oh, well, I've done it. <laughs> anyway. Um, you know, I, I think like, for me, like when I have sat down and I've just written, there's usually a point where I can't keep writing because I've lost an internal thread. Like mm-hmm. I've gone as far as I could go without an outline, mm-hmm. even if I have a really good outline in my head. And I know there's a lot of writers who do sit down and they just write. But again, like there is some internal guidelines that they have going on that mm-hmm. is helping them get through the whole of it. Um, I also feel like there's some people out there who are addicted to writing, like literally, like they have, they sit down and they just write. And I they wish I could do that. Write and write and write and write and write and write. And I think they're that, the t- they're the, usually the type of people who can write like um, <laughs> exceedingly long series of fantasy books, mm-hmm. where it's just book after book after book, and you find out they're only twenty five and they've written a billion words. Yeah. And you're like, how? How did you do how? that? And it's because they're addicted to it. Yeah. They're very good. Like there's this sort of genius level that they're able to connect threads. But every once in a while, you read one of those books and you're like, oh well. This appeared out of fucking nowhere. Yeah. And also we have to trudge through their day-to-day lives. It's like they never fucking just fast forward. It's like, I don't need to see every goddamn moment. (laughs) But see that, I mean, I think that speaks to what Damon was saying, is that it's like, if we, the writer, think out their day-to-day life, that helps us understand who they are as a character. And it's like, oh, well, I've done all this work, so I don't want to leave it out. But also, like, I'm showing the reader who they are because this is their day-to-day life. But also, like, yeah, keep it moving. Just keep it. None of this is important for the story. Yeah, blah, blah, blah. Um, anyway, so, actually, I think that's that book. Yeah, yeah. I enjoy, I enjoyed it. It was fun. I, I did, too. I yeah. enjoyed I enjoyed it. I thought they were both informative. I thought this one, uh, she's just such a fun person. Right. Like, yeah. this was such a fun read. Yeah. Like, it was poppy. It was exciting. I liked all her music choices. It was great. <laughs> okay, Claire. Uh-huh. Are you ready for Fuck, Marry, Kill? <laughs> like, what did you do to us? I mean, it's really hard to do it on characters in this. I mean, uh, I'm sorry. I did this. I did this to us. Okay, great. But I, I've got one. Have you got one? Yeah, I've got okay. one. Who should go first? You should go first. Okay. Claire. Yes, Neil. Fuck, Mary kill. Uh-huh. Verbs, beats, and motivations. Whoa! They're, but, you know, as we've learned, they're all this part of the same threads. Um, Verbs, beats, motivations. You know, I'm going to kill verbs. If only because I think that's what verbs would want. Because <laughs> it's the most interesting choice. It's an action. It's a very strong one. Mm-hmm. It is, you know. Um, also, I'm kind of tired of saying it so much. In this podcast. <laughs> oh, ah. ah. Um, and so, verbs, beats. Okay. Motivation. Oh, shit. I should have killed beats. No, no, no. I'm it's glad I'm. It's too late. No, no, no. I'm going to kill verbs. And okay. I stand by my. Uh, I guess I'm going to fuck beats. Because because <laughs> they're a wily bitch. <coughs> you genuinely, like, everybody's got a different idea of what beats are. Yeah, they're very elusive. They're very elusive. Like, Malleable. I was in an acting class once, and they're like, no, no, no. He was Russian. He didn't mean beats. He meant bits. They just heard him wrong. <laughs> <laughs> that 
that is one of the most amazing things I've ever so, heard. So, like, all English speakers were like, oh, yes, beats, beats. And he was like, yes, beats. <laughs> <laughs> no, bits. Yes, a bits. It's like, this bit. A comedic bit. <laughs> it has a beginning, middle, and an end. It's a bit. It's a bit. <laughs> and it's just a smaller part of the whole. Oh, my God. I love it. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, but also, like, everybody seems to have a different idea of where the beat is. Yeah. Or what it what is. What it looks like. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I'll fuck it. I'm crazy in bed. Sure. Those beats. Those it's a beginning, beats. again, a middle, and an end. <laughs> Hopefully I'll get mine. Um, and characterization? Motivation. 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 Yeah, I guess I'm marrying motivation. Sure. Um, in part because, like, I need motivation in my life. Mm-hmm. But also, you mm-hmm. know, it's the thing that propels you to the thing. Sure, sure. Helps with your tactics. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. I'm going to fuck verbs. <laughs> Because I feel it'll be very active lovemaking. Ooh. Um, I'm going to marry motivations. Okay. Because that's what propels us. And then with all the verb fucking, like, I have that, you know. And I'm going to kill beats. I know they're important. I know that they're important. But it's just like, if I have my verb and I have my motivation, it'll be a long rambling story. But at least it'll be a story. (laughs) So, that's me. True. And what about you? All right. Well, um, I fuck Mary Kill. Uh huh. Plotters. Uh huh. Pantsers. Uh huh. Critics. <laughs> okay. Um. Hmm. I'm going to fuck pantsers because you have an idea of what's going on, but there's like room for improvisation. <laughs> It, it's a. It'll be a surprise. Sometimes it's a pleasant surprise. Sometimes it's not. But like, <laughs> roll the dice. Um, I'm going to marry critics because even if they are like bitter and don't have anything to say, or I mean, like this is very specific to the Bay Area. There's a very long time that theater reviews were just a rehashing of the plot. I'm like, no, that's not a review. Just a rehashing of the plot. Anyway, I'm going to marry critics because I think that it's important for everyone to just think critically about the media that we consume. And I feel that that is not something that a lot of people do anymore. Um, And also to think critically about, like, where we get our news and all of that. I just think it's very important that we all think critically all the time, forever. So I'm going to marry critics. And then, like, plotters, I respect you tremendously. But... I'm going to kill you. <laughs> but you would have seen it coming. Oh, yeah. And it was a, a choice that, that was made. So it's fine. What about you? Okay. Well, I'm going to kill Pantsers. Oh. I love you. I know. But, I mean, all you're doing is long-form plotting. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and that's my process. You don't exist. <laughs> I'm not real. <laughs> Fine, whatever. <laughs> then I don't have to go to work on Monday. Oh, man. That does sound nice. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry. I'm calling in fictitious. <laughs> I am um, also just going to fuck plotters. Um, okay. I mean, I like a plotter. I feel like I am a plotter. Uh-huh, uh-huh. But um, also... It's 
fine if you're not really like, I mean, I've killed off panthers, but like, in all honesty, like, I feel like we should, for the same reasons you say, marry critics. Yeah. Um, in the Bay Area, speaking about theater experiences, mm-hmm. like, we have a very tiny number of theater critics now. Mm-hmm. Like, there, I mean, I feel like we can number them on, like, two hands. Right. Um, like, the ones that actually get published and get paid for what they're doing. Yeah. Um, and that is a tragedy. Mm-hmm. Because it means the number of voices we have that are talking to everybody else about the work is tiny Mm -hmm. and their experience is limited Mm -hmm. to their experience the reason why you need a shit ton of critics Mm -hmm. is because you need a lot of different varying opinions Mm -hmm. on any one thing and we need to think just as critically about the criticism we're hearing Mm -hmm. as we are of the media we're consuming it's just part of the media culture because our dear author friend from your hot and bothered and all the other authors, authors who jumped on the bandwagon, if they were thinking a little more critically, then they might have read the initial interview. Or and, at least understood know. where that person was coming yeah. from. Um, but also, I do agree with, uh, with, with the idea that we can't just dismiss what people read. No. Uh, and I've said this over and over again, there's no such thing as a guilty pleasure. There's just pleasures. Mm-hmm. But we should critically think about why it's a pleasure. Yes. <laughs> I mean... When I've been telling people, now that we've been doing this podcast for as long as we have, and I tell people about it who haven't heard about it before, I'm like, oh yeah, this is the, you know, the basic of the podcast, but we end up having, like, a lot of really deep conversations, and, like, consent is still an issue with certain romance writers. Certain groups, it's, like, very, everyone is consenting all the time, and everything is great, and there are other groups of writers that it's... Nobody consents to anything. And that's an issue that we need to think about. I also freely admit that I am marrying the thing that I am right now. (laughs) (laughs) I have decided to not kill the thing I'm doing. Sure. I also get that. I understand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've looked critically upon that. (laughs) And I approve. I understand the verbs, the beats, and the motivations behind it. So yeah. Great. Anyway, what about the books? Um, I'm going to marry both of them. <gasps> Simply because I mean like there were things that I enjoyed and didn't really enjoy about both of them. Like it's like, "Oh, did you like this book?" I mean like, "Yeah, it was fine." But I'm going to marry them simply because they are encouraging people to create art and that is enough for me. No, I I agree. I think like there are way worse books you can read. <clears throat> Um, about writing Mm -hmm. and a lot of them are written by people who just want to take your money Mm -hmm. um, that they themselves have not written Mm -hmm. and definitely not written well and they've just sort of shoehorned a lot of the knowledge they have from books they've read into a single space Mm -hmm. these are not those books yeah these are people who are writing from experience Mm -hmm. and good experience and um high recommend and they're not expensive books no these are easily accessible um and like if you have somebody who is a writer who is starting out their career get these for them for christmas christmas is coming um if you or yourself are sitting down to write you should like and especially romance like absolutely get gwen's book um if you are an experienced writer get damon's book mm-hmm. so yeah, yeah i also would marry both these books great splendid yay, yay. Well, i think that's a first yeah yes yes it is yeah oh wow okay 
Ooh. Okay. <laughs> Shake it up. Are, are we done then with the podcast? Oh. Forever? Shit. Are, are, we going, are we going to fall into ourselves like a dying star? Is there worse things? Or how about... How about we read more books? Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, so then, is it time for our favorite game? <gasps> yes! Christine Guess! Okay, so I picked the books for next time. Uh, let's see if you can guess the theme. Okay. So the first book is Falling Under, a Falling Under novel, book one, by Gwen Hayes, and Hothead, by Damon Swade. I love that long stretch of silence and then a sigh. I saw a cover, I think, for Hothead, Mm -hmm. but I don't think, well, I saw Damon Swade covers and there Mm -hmm. was one that I don't think it's right, but it's not Cowboys, right? No. No, it's Uh, not another one of his books. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, Hothead would be, I don't know... Somebody with anger issues. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the theme is anger <laughs> management. Because I, we need it so much. No, that's not what it is. But that's a good one. Um, Hothead and Falling Under. Falling Under. A Falling Under novel, book one, by Gwen Hayes. Falling Under sounds like it could maybe be hypnotists. Ooh, that's yeah, a good one. But... Uh, I don't know. Falling under and hotheads. Hothead? Hothead. Hothead. Um, I don't know. Uh, Curling Iron Factory. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> I really uh, want you to be a romance novel writer so you can have these well, like I super read niche. Both of these books, apparently. Yes. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. Yeah. Stab at it. Yeah. Stab. Stab. Claire, do you have a guess? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's the writers of the books we just read. And yes, it is. <laughs> oh. And like, it's the books. It's the books they read. They wrote. Yep. So we're gonna see if their tips and tricks hold up. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> yes. I was yeah. like, I think she is working too hard yeah. for this. I knew. I knew yeah, it would. Should have been a lot more obvious. I knew it would trick you too. <laughs> Great. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, thank you, Claire. No, thank you, Neil. Thank you, Christine. Thank you so much, Christine. Thank you. Thank you, authors. Thank you very much, authors. Like, two different types of books for us to read, so this is exciting. Yeah. Uh, thank you, listeners. Thank you, listeners. We appreciate you. Oh, yes. Tremendously. <laughs> what is happening? I never know. Oh, okay, that's fair. <laughs> so you'd say you're a pantser. Oh, shit! <laughs> Plotter on the page, pantser in real life. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, wasn't that funny? No, that was great. If you if you were a plotter novel writer who also did improvisational theater, you'd be a plotter on the page and pantser on the stage. Yep, 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 yep. I love it. <laughs> Christine's mad at me now. <laughs> oh, um, Tell us that thing. Christine found an interesting bit of information. Oh, um, Damon Swade knows who Chuck Tingle is, and it is partners, which I take to mean a couple. Yes. Um, Yes. 
so he knows them in real life. In IRL. IRL is the, the kids say. So and we know now. Geniuses. So right. we know that there are multiple people, which right. I think everybody suspected. Suspected. Right. But yeah, now it is confirmed that Chuck Tingle is more than one person. Right. At least. Yeah. Well, I definitely mean, more than one person. At yeah. least two people. Right. At yeah. least two people. Yeah. Okay, great. Well, that's. <sighs> oh. You heard it here first, or if you read that interview with Damon Swade, you heard it there first. Yeah. But, great. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, yes, listeners, tell everyone about us. Yeah, you can find us on the Twitters. That's where we are most often. Yes. Um, except in San Francisco. But if you just see us in San Francisco, and I, it might be weird for us. If you just no, come I love up. it. Oh, my God, do it. I need, I need the attention to live. I need the validation. Yes. Anyway, but yes, find us on the Twitter. We've got an email. All kinds of things. I'm not going to say. What's our Twitter handle, Claire? <laughs> it's FMKLitPod. Great. <laughs> Great. Literally the worst at podcasting. Yeah. Okay, we're done. We're done. But mm-hmm. before we go, always remember, kids, keep fucking.